So please, Avengers, don't sue us. We don't have money. <laughs> that stoners will be stoned. And then the car just floors in. It's just... It gets like the hell out of there real fast. It crosses like a medium. Remember how I explained there's a difference between... Oh, haunted house scream and a... I am about to die scream. Well... I believe that this is more of a I'm about to die scream. Michael kicks the door, the driver's side door open, hits the gun, she flips it around and blows her own brains out. I'm like, are you kidding me? No problem, Ryan Reynolds. Anything for you. Empowering herself with the power of penis. Yes, yes, it's very weird. If you are in a haunted house that has the walls covered with oil, that should be a red sign. This is a haunted house, not a goddamn O'Reilly's Auto Parts. This can only be one of two things. It's either a video game world, kind of like GTA, or it's Detroit. Yeah, when you turn on the serial killer that you were interviewing for your news reporting TV show, yeah, you're kind of fucked. Here, here is where you go to another late episode of Tyler's Thursday Takes, which is basically coming out on a Saturday now. Man, everything has just really gotten away from me today. <laughs> uh, this whole week in general, actually. But that is not why we are here. We are here this week to review the 2015 classic Hell House LLC. Now, this is a movie I saw a really long time ago, and I remember really liking it back then, and I thought I would go ahead and revisit it, take a fresh look at it, and see how it holds up after all this time. So, Hell House, like I said, is a 2015 movie. It does not have a rating. It is unrated, but that is probably because it is not that big of a production movie. Like, you can make this movie with a couple hundred bucks and... (laughs) And, and some good settings. IMDb has given this movie a 6.4 out of 10 with a popularity rating of 4,162. And its cast includes Gore Abrams as Paul. We have Alice Bakel, Bakel as Diane. We have Danny Bellini as Alex Taylor. You have Jared Hacker as Tony and Ryan Jefferson Jones as Sarah who is also playing Sarah, or she's also playing as Ryan Jennifer. I don't know. It's really confusing. And then we also have Adam Schneider, who is playing as Andrew McNamara. And this is kind of your main cast. But Hell House is about a group of people who set up a haunted house every year, and they have decided to pick the Hotel Abaddon. It is this rundown old hotel that has history in a do-nothing town, in the middle of bumfuck nowhere. But that is enough of that. Why don't we go ahead and hop right on into this review. 911, what's your emergency? Hello? Hello, I'm the old Abaddon Hotel. Can you please send the police? What's the problem, miss? I don't know. There's something wrong. It's to the wall. Someone's hurt. I'm sorry, I can't hear you. So right off the bat, we are thrown right into it. As you can tell from the very beginning of this movie, it is kind of shot 
in the form of like an A and E documentary. If you've ever watched anything on A and E or anything about like found footage type of stuff, or where they show you like a crime that goes on, it shows clips of the actual event, and they have to have like actual things included with interviews from different people, and that's exactly how this is shot. It is a unique take to say the least. It's something that seems like it'd be very difficult to pull off, but. I feel like it's going to help play into this and kind of help progress the story along. So the beginning of the movie starts off with all these people lining up to go to this brand new hell house where it's supposed to be the news, coolest thing, and everybody goes in. And all you know from the very beginning is that there's a massive tragedy that something really, really bad has happened because there's 911 calls, people being pulled out on stretchers. There's just so many things that have already hit the wall. And the whole premise behind this documentary is to find out what happened in the Abaddon Hotel. What transpired that led to numerous people dying and mass panic all at the same time. And somehow, this documentarian, she gets an interview with one of the people, Sarah, who actually worked inside of the hotel. What is that? It's everything. Everything that went on in the house was taped, um, mostly by Paul and Tony. Because of course it was. Why, why wouldn't you record everything that goes into the process of making your creepy haunted house that you do every year? So she whips out this bag that nobody, like, questioned what she had with her. It's, it's not like a purse or anything. It literally just kind of looks like a trash bag. She whips it up. She's like, here's the tapes of everything that went on inside the house. It was all recorded because for plot reasons, it was definitely all recorded. And so now it kind of goes flipping between the found footage that is the tapes that she presented out of this trash bag of doom and the interview that's kind of still going on. So you get this really long, boring, basically MTV episode of Cribs where Paul is walking through the house as they just arrived in it basically going over everything saying how it's garbage how it smells like feet and mildew and just it seems like an abandoned place altogether but there's one main point that should really stick out to you is when they go into the basement there are satanic symbols all over the walls which is not a good thing if that was there before you got there it seems like something that you might want to pay attention to but what do I know? I've never built a haunted house, so maybe that's something, maybe that's just a plus side, you know? Maybe it comes with the territory. As always, the whole shebang. Sarah? What's up, dude? So Paul's in his room just chilling, talking to the camera, when he hears this creaking behind him, and you can see it because you're looking behind him, but he's not... <laughs> But he has a red light that's coming from the hallway, and you see this figure kind of walk in front of the light, and almost looks like it walks into his room. And he hears creaking on the floor, and he turns around, and he sees this figure. He's like, oh, Sarah? Dude? Like, what's going on? And nobody responds to him, and the figure just kind of walks out, and he acts all chill, like nothing's going on. But anyways, it all acts like it's all hunky-dory. Until we get to the interview, where our interviewee begins to 
talk about what went on in the house, explaining how one of the actors or people, you don't know who it is because they're incredibly vague about it, but they just say they slit their throat and it seemed to be self-inflicted. So somebody, we have a death count. There's a death count one, but we don't know who. We just know somebody dies. But they do explain that one of the extras that they hired, his name was Joey. They tried to reach out to him for a comment, but he would not talk to them. And nine days later, he did hang himself. That I don't have an audio clip for that because, like I said, in the A&E style documentary type of deal, it's just white text in front of a black screen. So you'll have to take my word on that. So we're up to two. We have a death count of two of mystery person who slit their throat and Joey who hung himself nine days after the opening night of the haunted hotel and so something happened we don't know what but something definitely happened inside of this building did telly do something was he questioned by the police oh yeah he was questioned by the police multiple times actually when that woman and her daughter disappeared and their last known location was the abaddon hotel tully was able to produce records that uh, showed their departure so he was cleared of any wrongdoing, but uh, wasn't enough to stop all the questions and basically kill business. A few months later, he hanged himself in the dining room of the hotel. And thank you, Movie, for giving us our very important creepy backstory that is definitely needed to progress the story. Go ahead and check that. Off the list, we have our plot in there, and we have something to kind of explain the creepiness of the hotel so yes these this mother and child that were in the abaddon hotel mysteriously disappeared which we are going to go ahead and count them because disappeared equals death they were never found again so we are now up to four on a death count with the mother and daughter and we're going to add one more to that for andrew T wait yeah andrew tully to make that a whopping five and we are not even 40 minutes into this movie yet so we are up to five dead people because andrew tully hung himself in the dining room of the hotel so now things are going bump in the night we go back to the found footage type of stuff and of course again it happens at night where they hear bumps in the night and yes it is a old abandoned place but at the same time like it shouldn't be making these noises they look around and of course it's just noises and so they end up going back to sleep but the next day paul is now walking through the house trying to find tony and he finds this creepy clown mannequin dude standing in the in the middle of the hall which is a red flag because First off, this clown's head doesn't turn, it's a mannequin. It's completely static, it doesn't move, it doesn't do anything, and the fact that it's standing there obviously means that Tony has to be in it. So, <laughs> now you can tell something's definitely wrong. I think you've had enough to drink. <laughs> Tony! Whoa, shit, dude! What's up, man? What are you looking at? Holy fuck! Got me, man. <laughs> All right, weirdo. Let me know when you want to get back to work down there. 
What the fuck are you doing? You were just right. What the fuck are you doing here? Yeah, you a uh, rat. You fuck. What the fuck? What the fuck, man? You were just standing right fucking here. Hello, Alex. Is that you, you asshole? So, yeah. Paul actually manages to respond how I would respond to this. I would be in the process of making a very thin, consistent, warm-like substance that is very similar to chocolate pudding in my pants. If this happened, like, this is a mannequin. Imagine going into JCPenney's and the mannequin that's wearing that fancy new vest. You turn around and all of a sudden it, it's got a knife and it's going to kill you. Yeah, that should be something that you should be worried about. So, yeah, he is instantly put on edge because, you know, that's not a good thing to have. And later on, they begin to go through more tests for the haunted house because it is a haunted house and you have to have tests for it. And they decide to test the strobe room and it is the most epileptic inducing strobe room ever it's not how you would normally picture a strobe where it's like flash 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 no this is like lights on lights off lights on lights off but they also did some weird kind of camera footage with it to where you can't see anything that's going on and of course because of this they're going to use this moment to try and input some sort of weird spooky type of deal here and that's exactly what they do Hey man, how many freaks did we have? Three freaks. Oh, what's going on? Are you sure? Positive. Oh, shit. Man, poor Paul, dude. He just keeps getting the absolute back end of every situation that's going on. And because, of course, it's only Paul... Nobody's going to take him seriously because they're like, oh, it's just Paul being Paul. But you can see they they have to freeze frame it because you can't tell what's going on. But they freeze frame it and you see, yes, there is another freak, I guess is what they're calling it there. And now because of that, he freaks out. He runs out. And he's like, I can't do this. And so they have this meeting where he talks to the main guy, Alex, and he's like, hey, dude, this is this is something that it's pretty serious, and I don't know if this is something that we should continue to do because I feel like we're all going to die. <laughs> and so now another night passes. They're all sitting there, and, of course, they wake up because of something is going bump in the night, and they go down, and, yes, creepy clown dude is standing there again, but there's also... Sarah's also acting very weird. All right. All right. I didn't ask any questions or anything. They just pressed me out. So, yeah, Sarah's off her rocker, and she is now talking in reverse. That was not me doing some voodoo magic, because I do not know how to do that. I will actually try to find a way to reverse it and see what she is saying, because out of nowhere, she's just sitting in a corner... Staring at the wall going, yes, 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 So she's like talking backwards and I have no idea what she's saying. But give me five minutes and I'm going to see if I can figure out how to reverse it. 
Holy shit, I'm sorry about this, Cheyenne. I'm about to curse a whole lot, but holy shit, this is fucking cool. So I figured out how to reverse it. Just just listen to this shit. Oh my god, if you can if you can do this like mid-movie, which you can't unless you're just really good at reversing audio. Like listen to this and I'll show you why this is so cool and so like important later. All right. But what I was going to say before this was, of course, Sarah is, something's going on with her, and of course she's the one to make it out. So don't you think it's a little weird how she happens to make it out, and she's showing them the audio clips and the video footage, and kind of almost tempting them to go back? I'm just saying it kind of seems like, you know, might be a little bit interesting. And now at this point, Paul's in his bed again because he likes recording himself while he's in bed, apparently. And you see these, like, legs that are kind of sitting out. And he turns on the light and there's a, there's a lady dummy there. But as he hides under the covers, it doesn't stay sitting there. <laughs> So, Paul's dead? Maybe? No? I don't know, this weird lady just somehow... <laughs> somehow found... Paul and started coming at him, and he just hid under his covers because... You know, bright idea, and now he just kind of went poof. And it opens with Tony finding the camera, and he's like, huh, what happened to Paul? And they go running around, and they go into the basement, where they start getting chased by the clown, and everything's going on, and he's freaking out. And... They decide to open up this, like, freezer in the basement, and they hide inside, and then they leave. And who's sitting there but Paul? But he doesn't seem normal because he is just sitting there staring, and they're like, all right, whatever, let's just get back to it. And so now that everything's hit the fan, Tony's like, I want to leave. But Mac, or Andrew, they call him Mac, but Andrew tells him something and we never find out what this something is but he's basically like okay we need we need to stay and they end up staying for Alex and it's opening night and so now they've it's finally opening night and everybody's sitting there everyone's out there and now we're kind of intertwining footage of the crew and the YouTube video that was released to the police and now we're kind of seeing what all is going on in the haunted house at night. And so immediately off the bat, stuff starts going wrong. Like you can't, they can't get a hold of each other on the walkies. Sarah runs off. Tony and Andrew, or who they call Mac, decide that they need to go into the basement. Because Jeffrey, the guy who they explained earlier, hung himself. He comes running out and he was supposed to be down there with this other lady and she starts freaking out but as everyone's down there you start seeing footage of these dudes in like basically cultish gear where they're all in black and hoods and I, th I think they kill the lady in the chain we don't necessarily know so we're going to go ahead and add that so we are now up to six and because we have mystery person who slit their throat we have Jeff who ended up hanging himself we have 
the mother and the daughter, and then Andrew Tully. And now we have Chain Lady, which is six. But as Tony runs down to save her, the mask hood people come after him, and the door slams behind him. So we are now adding him to it. So we are up to seven now. And, I mean, we are just going up the list here. I can play this for you here in a second, but it all happens very, very fast. I told you, it was fast. In that, like, small snippet of a clip, you have the chain lady and Tony die at, like, the same exact time. So it is... I mean, they're just racking up numbers here. They're trying to hit this kill count quota like you've never seen before. And now at this point, Andrew ends up meeting up with Sarah again. And they're trying to find out where Alex is. And they run all the way up to the attic. Because for some reason, that's where Alex is. And they get up there. And they find him hanging. And they start freaking out. And they're trying to save him. And of course, Mac turns around with his GoPro. And the hooded people up there. So might as well add... 8 and 9 to the list now. Like, I'm telling you, they are going beep, beep, beep. They are, they are chaining together combos, my friend. <laughs> See, in that small segment, you had Alex and Andrew or Mac die at, like, the same exact time. Like, it's so fast and put together that, like, within a five-minute period, you have half the cast just instantly become non-existent. And so now is the point where I really want you to remember what I did earlier. Remember how I reversed that audio clip? So now the interview lady starts asking, asking Sarah, how did you get out? If you were in the attic, the farthest away from the front door, how did you manage to get out? And remember remember what was said in that reverse clip. Here, I'll even play it for you again real fast. But I'm going to play this, and then I'll play the next clip. And just, just, it's mind-blowing. All right. All right. Do you need ask any questions or anything? They just rest me out. And so that was audio. That was when they were in the house. Remember, this was when they were in the house. Like a whole two weeks before this interview happens. Now, now listen to what happens in this interview. Happy to be alive. They didn't ask me any questions or anything. They just rushed me out. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. So you see how that's kind of mind-blowing now? But the thing about that is, is that it doesn't look good for the why Sarah's here now. Like I said, why would Sarah have been the only person to leave and have all these tapes if they're not trying to like bring people in? And speaking of that, we now get an a, one more clip. And... The pretext before this, it says Mitchell stays back to finish going through the rest of the clips while the interviewee and her camera, her cameraman go to the house because Sarah's like, why don't you just go to the house? She's like, if you need me, I'll be in room 2C. So keep that in mind, foreshadowing. But she's like, I'll be in room 2C. And they go to the hotel that they were staying in. They're like, can I go to room 2C? 
And they're like, oh, that doesn't exist here. But anyway, so her understudy Mitchell is going through the tapes. And he keeps watching. And there is something a little troubling about the fact that he's watching the tape. So Sarah gets beat to death with the camera by Paul. And then she gets dragged, which here in a couple seconds, when the reporter gets to the house, you'll see the drag marks. She just gets dragged somewhere through the house. So we're no longer at eight and nine. We're now at 10, number 10. And immediately after, you're just looking at Paul's feet until he picks up a shard of glass from the floor. So yeah, that mystery worker that slit their throat, that was Paul. Paul slit his throat, so we can't add him to the death list because technically he was number one on the death list. So Paul, <laughs> Paul's death is mentioned like three different times in this movie until it finally happens. And so now, of course, the reporter lady and her cameraman get there and they start looking at everything through the house and it's real morbid because she's like laughing but it keeps showing clips from like when all of them were like having fun in the house i'm like you realize a tragedy happened here that's like it's like going to the site of a school shooting and being like oh my god look it's so corny <laughs> who, who drew this is this supposed to be a mom and dad look this kid sucks like it seems real unfitting for the situation but as she's laughing about it and making a plea fool of herself, her understudy Mitchell tries to call her. And she's like, oh, it's just Mitchell. I'll call him back. Even though he's the one who's reviewing the footage. And he just saw Sarah get beat to death and Paul kill himself. So he knows that something's wrong. And as they're going through the house, they go up the stairs until they find... You guessed it. Room 2C, the room that Sarah said she would be in. So they open the door and look inside, and there's Sarah. She's just sitting down looking out the window until she turns around, and she's dead. Like, she, her face is ripped up, and she's bleeding, and that's not the only thing that's now in there with them because the hoods show up, and not like the KKK, but the black hoods, and not the black KKK... The, the demon hood people, you know what I mean. Yeah, and just like that, two more are added to the list. So we are now up to 11 and 12 with the stupid reporter lady and her unfortunate cameraman. And that's that's how it ends. It, it it ends with the camera laying on the on the top floor of the of the hell house and and man like I said they were really trying to hit that death count quota right there at the end where they killed off basically everybody <laughs> like literally everybody dies out of nowhere <laughs> in the span of so this movie is about an hour and a half long in the span of 20 to 25 minutes you get the entire main cast killed and two randos at the very end it is so mind-numbingly just 
death all at the end. It's like, okay, could we have calmed down for a second? Because, you know, this is this, this is kind of, like, important. Everybody's just dropping like flies. But like I said, that's the end of the movie. And why don't we go ahead and hop on into our <laughs> to our numbers for this and get on going with it. And so, as you all know, we have a system that we like to go by here on the Tyler Thursday Takes episodes, as long with the main Same Wavelength podcast rating system. We go plot, acting, cinema, all based on three points that you can gain in each category, along with a bonus point up to one to kind of give it that little umph if we liked something or if we didn't. And so, let's go ahead and hop right on into this plot. For the plot, I went ahead and gave it a two. I thought the whole documentary style movie was pretty interesting. I feel like they did a very good job with it. The plot was also kind of interesting with the whole, oh, it's a demon hotel. They kind of sacrificed people there beforehand. It was a simple plot. It was easy to follow. I just think that it got a little bit of an extra boost because of the fact that it did have a kind of documentary style feel to it. That's not something you usually see. And I feel like that really kind of added to it. Acting, I went ahead and gave it a 1.5. The acting itself wasn't necessarily that great. It was it was people who were just supposed to play as people. I mean, they were written in to react the way that I would think that you would have them written in, where they would kind of freak out and stuff. But especially with Sarah, I don't know. I, I never really got the feeling that she was, like, worried um, you kind of get that feeling a little bit with some of the people also. I mean, they have their freakout moments, but I don't know how sincere it comes across, so I only ended up giving that a 1.5. For the cinema, I gave it a 1.5 also. It, the issue with doing this kind of docu-style found footage type of deal is it can be hard to kind of tell what's going on at some points, and it really... The one scene that really hurt this rating was that epileptic scene with the strobe lights. You just could not tell what was going on. I don't know if they clipped the footage to make it harder to see or if that's just the way that it ended up with the camera lights on it. But it's just they had to freeze frame it so you can tell what was going on. And I feel like if you do that you're almost having to bail out the fact that you weren't able to get that clip and so that's what keeps at a 1.5 for me but for the bonus point to kind of wrap it all up and try to salvage this rating a little bit I went ahead and gave them the full point I did not know about that rewind part I didn't know what it said I didn't know what it was but you can tell that it was some sort of rewind because of the fact that it was just like yes yes and it was really cool I thought that was a really cool thing that they did especially when you have the ability like I do in this situation to go back and reverse it I thought that was really cool and like I said before I really like the style in which they shot this I feel like it's something that you don't see very often and it was very new it was very fresh and I feel like altogether it really did help to kind of pull everything together. And even though they kind of kept cutting to interviews earlier on in the in the movie, they really strayed away from that at the end. And it really kind of helped get you more into the movie instead of continuously cutting it up with those interviews. 
which really kind of pulled you away at the end. So I'm glad that they didn't keep as many interview heavies toward the end because it really would have hindered it, and I feel like they did a great job. So if you've done the math before I did, congratulations. You're a mathematical genius and a a human anomaly. But if you wanted to wait and do the math with me, we add it all together, and we get a solid 6.0. It's just 6 flat. I don't know why I said the point. But we gave it a 6 out of 10, which if we revert back to the IMDb rating on this, IMDb gave it a 6.4. So it was pretty close to us, to my rating for today. I never tried to go based off of what IMDb says. I usually try to rank it based off of how I feel. And if it's close to IMDb, then maybe I'm doing something right. Or maybe I'm doing something wrong and IMDb's doing something right or vice versa. (laughs) I don't know. I usually like to not be the same as other people, but sometimes a movie's just a 6 or a 6.4. That's the way that it is. But that is my review, my late review for Tyler's Thursday takes on a Saturday. Jesus. Over Hell House LLC, the 2015 horror movie. This is definitely on my list of give it a watch. Like I said, I've watched this before a long time ago, and I wanted to come back to it, see if it held up, and I feel like it does. This is, if you're looking for a horror movie to watch that's a little different, give this a watch. There's a creepy clown in it, or if you don't like clowns, it'll probably make you poop yourself, but definitely check it out. It is a great movie. I, it's one of those horror movies where it's easy to watch. It's not one of those where you have to force yourself to sit through it. And I would highly recommend giving it a chance and taking the time out of your day to watch this movie. But like I said, that was all for today's episode. I would like to take a short break to thank every single one of you who are still listening, even when I get these episodes out late. I know it's probably frustrating to all of those who listen. I know you probably want something more said on a Thursday. And I know I've probably disappointed a lot of you. I have a habit to do that. And, um, I'm just really thankful for everyone who listens, especially the Taiwanians, the Taiwanese, my Taiwan peoples. <laughs> I don't know how many of y'all are still listening, but I am greatly thankful for y'all as well. And once again, I would like to thank Anchor for sponsoring this podcast. Without Anchor, this show wouldn't even be up. And if it wasn't for Anchor, we would just be talking to a wall with nobody listening. But now we got people in Taiwan listening to us, so it's pretty dope. And I hope everyone over the weekend had a great Valentine's Day. I hope you got to spend it with the people that you care about. I would like to take a second out of my podcast to say a happy, very special, happy Valentine's to my girlfriend. And let her know how much I care about her and how hearing her critiques and hearing how she enjoys listening to it also makes me happy and I am very lucky to have her in my life and I would just like to say thank you and I hope you also had a very happy Valentine's Day because I love you and I've always loved you. Now enough of that gooey feely stuff. I hope everyone else who has a Valentine's Day partner, or even if you don't, I hope you had a very happy Valentine's Day with yourself, if you know what I mean. 
just don't let it send you to the hospital you know don't try to don't don't try to force things where they shouldn't be but thank you everyone who decided to stop by and listen i hope to see you all again next week hopefully <laughs> on a thursday but until next week yes yes yet don't reverse that it says nothing <laughs> anyways see you guys later see you next week That's all for me.